For those of you who'd like to head inland, why not try Wolfbrook, New Hampshire? A trailer for October's children follows the credits. Ehlers Choice is not suitable for all listeners. Full content warnings may be found in the show notes. Listener discretion is advised. We are the fisher folk of Estma. For generations, we have made our living from the sea and from the great eels that roamish. But the deeps are dark and full of secrets, and the ocean never gives back what it takes unchanged. Excuse me? You there? You can't stand there. We need to move the luggage carts. Don't you see the keep clear sign? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm afraid they don't see. You don't see? You don't... By the rails! Who's left you alone here? The scrim gentry is sending someone to fetch me, sir. But I'm afraid I don't know how to get to the omnibus stop where I'm to be fetched from. I shall take you directly. Let me fetch your bags. Thank you kindly, sir. Here, take my arm. He smells of wet dog. I always feel a little safer with people who like animals. Here we are. The omnibus stop. Are you sure you'll be all right here? Oh, yes, sir. Please don't worry. The scrim gentry is sending someone at six. Uh, you've 15 minutes until then, so you haven't missed them. Thank you, sir. I must get back to work, but I'll come back here in 20 minutes to make sure they've come to fetch you. I'm ever so grateful. I smiled. I smile a lot. It makes things easier. Smile and be grateful to everyone who helps you. Don't get angry when they treat you like a child or like you're made of porcelain. Just smile. Wait. Merrily White Chanter? Yes. I don't know why I'm asking since there's nobody else here except that man with the paper. Uh, sorry, I'm a little late. That's all right. Um, do you want to touch my face to feel what I look like? I hear 
blind people do that sometimes? No, thank you. I, I don't do that. Whom do I have the pleasure of addressing? Oh, I'm sorry. You probably get that all the time. I'm Novice Aderentana. I'm a Thedia. Sorry. Sorry, you can't see my hand to shake. That was silly. I... I'll get you bags. Just the one, please. I'll need to hold your arm, but I can hold the other in my cane. Yeah. Ooh, that cane is pretty. Thank you. I scream-chanted it myself. I'll probably need to lengthen it if I keep getting any taller. Here's my arm. Thank you. Novice Adelin Tanner had a nervous energy that made them seem much younger than they apparently were. As a third year, they would have to be at least two years older than me. They smelled freshly scrubbed, like plain soap, and their voice was gentle, even if it wasn't calm. Um, how was your journey? Complicated. I almost missed my train here. Oh. But you made it? Of course you made it. You're here. Sorry. Uh, is it a long journey? Yes. This was the first train I could get from the city. My family's estate is way out in the countryside. It's very easy for me to miss a connection if there isn't someone there who could help me get to the right platform in time as well. Can you go a little more slowly, please? I'm supposed to bring you back before dinner. Are you afraid of getting in trouble? Actually... Yes, I am. I'm supposed to be responsible. Are we getting closer to the river? I hear the water. We're coming up to the bridge, that's why. The Esk is still running high from the spring rains. We need to cross the river to get to the scrum chantry. <sighs> Let's stop on the bridge. I want to feel the railings. If I know what the bridge feels like, it will help me find it in the future. Not for long, please. If you get in trouble, you can blame me. Say I got lost or something. Keep telling me about the town. Alright. From west to east, there's the station over there behind us. Then there's the streets on the western bank. Lots of the more fancy shops there. All the best eel bone boutiques are on Boneway. It's the place to be seen. The west has more rich folk. I ran my fingers along the rail where many hands have polished the iron smooth and then down along the scroll work beneath. If I get lost, a bridge is a clear landmark to ask to be pointed to, and from there I can learn my way to other places. I turned around using the railing to orient myself, looking for any strong lights, but there was nothing clear among the many blurs around me. You can't see because the cliff is in the way, but there are the docks where the eeling ships come in, and beyond that, down the beach, are the rotten pits. We're not allowed to go in there in case we bring something nasty back to the scrim chantry. Can't see that far anyway. Uh, not that you can see anything. Up on the cliff above is the scrim chantry. It's four stories high, and there is a statue of the bone weaver in front of it, drawing two lengths of eel bone with their hands into an arch that forms a roof above them. <sighs> It must be beautiful. Something worth that much really ought to be. <laughs> I suppose so. Is it strange living in a building grown out of eel bone? It's weird at first, yes. But eventually you get used to it. 
because the building pretty much stays the same. Nobody's allowed to scrimch on the walls, since that time somebody trapped a second year in the cellar in an eelbone cage and nobody found them for three days. Were they alive? Yes. Starving, mind you. But alright. Now, we need to go. We're already late for dinner. What's between us and the scrim chantry? Oh, Long Eastgate comes down the steps off the cliff past the Temple of the Boneweaver and through the old fish market. That's the oldest part of town. There are lots of little alleyways there where you need to be careful. Gangs of pickpockets and bruisers operate from the pubs and slum houses in the lanes of East Cliff. If you don't mind, we'll not stop there long. Then Long Eastgate heads south along the river till it passes through the old Eastgate and heads south of the Dinner was in full swing by the time we reached the Eskvale Scream Chantry. Because I did insist on making sure I knew the feel of the walls and the wood and the cobbles all the way off the bridge and along Long Eastgate and up the stairs to the top of the cliff. The buildings and street furniture of Eskmal seemed to be decorated with wooden flourishes and floral patterns and occasionally what I thought might be the town's civic emblem. I kept finding leaves, flowers, eels, and other fish, and something with a flame on top that Adarin told me was the beacon. I didn't linger too long near the market though, not because I didn't want to touch the things there, but because it smelled very strongly of fish from the gutters. Adarin led us around the side of the scrim chantry, away from what they said were the official entrance gates and to a wooden side door. It seemed that not every part of the building was made of eel bone. The wood was old and smooth under my fingers, and carved with patterns of eels twisting around each other, and with leaves and flowers growing out of their mouths. We slipped quietly into the great hall. Adrin showed me where to sit at the end of one of the long trestle tables, and then passed me several dishes. The food was not what I was used to at home. It was simpler and heartier. I savored all the new textures and tastes and chatted with Adrin and their third-year friends. They had a lot of questions for me about my life and my family and the school I went to before. I found myself missing that school. It was one for children who needed extra help finding their way around the world for one reason or another. I wondered if I would ever see my friends there again. Dena, who could not walk at all. Farney, the girl who was tired all the time so we would bring the work to her room. And Branting, the deaf boy who taught us to speak with our hands. I suddenly felt a pang of homesickness. I missed my friends, and I missed my sister. Did you enjoy your dinner? Oh, yes. I tried everything. I like the spiced crab soup best. (laughs) People kept very helpfully passing me things. There was a lot of fish. We have lots of different kinds of food at home, you see. But not much fish. We're a long way from the sea. From anything, really. Grandmother likes her privacy. You'll get used to eating fish here. I found out from the porters which dormitory you're in. I can take you up there if you're getting tired. I've got your bags. Or 
if you fancy having a bit of fun, we could... Novice Tanner, <clears throat> I hope you are not planning to include Miss White Chanter here in any of your escapades. Absolutely not, Principal Adept. I wouldn't dream of it, especially after you so graciously trusted me with fetching her from the station and showing her around. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so I should hope. You are very welcome here, Miss White Chanter. I am glad to have you among us at last. Your grandmother was something of a mentor to me. Do you know, I think there is something similar about your voices. A very distinct tone. <laughs> I'm very glad to be here also, Principal Adept. My grandmother speaks highly of your skills. And you have good manners. You should learn from Miss White Chanter, Novice Tana. Oh, forgive me. I mean, Novice White Chanter. You're one of us now. How was your journey? A little fraught, but I got here in the end. Mm. <laughs> I then kindly described the town to me as we came through. We try to keep a good relationship between the town and the Scrimchantry. They are good folk. Superstitious with some very old-fashioned ways, but honest and decent. It is their showling festival the day after tomorrow. I hope you will treat the locals and their customs with respect and not let Novice Tana involve you in any pranks or little skirmishes with the youths in the town. It's not like it's my fault they started it. <laughs> I don't believe I could involve myself in a skirmish even if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you alright? I'm fine. Fishbone in my throat. <laughs> You must be tired from your journey, and you have already missed some of your introductory classes. You will find your novice's robe in your dormitory. They are brown. You will recognize senior adepts by their goldenrod yellow. And as you can see, I... Forgive me. I have gone into my usual orientation speech. I wear shell purple as the principal adept, but I suppose that isn't of much use to you. Please, don't worry. It happens a lot. <laughs> well then, I will see you tomorrow for my class, Our Notable History. Good evening. <clears throat> You're good at sweet-talking folk. I definitely need you around. <clears throat> I was raised to be diplomatic. A lot of important people come to our house and we have to behave nicely for them so as not to show up grandmother. Actually, I've heard the Grandmother talk about Gwilym Weaverly before. She wants Zer to succeed her as Scrimchanter Laureate. She said Z has one of the most beautiful voices she's ever heard. Musical. She didn't tell me about the stinking perfume Z wears. <coughs> oh, I feel like I've had a floral display shoved down my throat. It is... Now, I do want to go to my dormitory because I still need to put my bags down. But then, I'd like to take you up on your offer to sneak off and show me around. Mm. I'm not sure about that now. Someone might be watching. 
So now the merry prankster is worried about getting in trouble. Not all of us have a grandmother who's good friends with the principal adept of the Eskmith's Grim Chantry. If we get in trouble, you could blame it on me then. <laughs> Fine. You want to feel the walls? And the floors, and find all the stairs, yes. It will make it easier to find my way around. Alright, that sounds like fun. I'll point out all the interesting bits you can poke. It's definitely on the right way now, right? Definitely. The fastening goes at the front. I don't like these robes. They're so smooth and boring. I like my clothes to be covered in things for me to touch. Beads and buckles and embroidery and things like that. I choose what to wear in the mornings by feel, not color. Oh, that explains a lot. I'll just have to wear all my necklaces and bracelets and charms at once. They might make you take them off for some classes, in case they catch in things. That's fine. Here we are. Here, this is the viewing platform. I wanted to show you this first. You can look down onto the... Uh, sorry, I mean... People can look down onto the... It's fine, Adarin. I do want to know what you can see. Alright, so you can look down onto the statue of the Bone Weaver from here and you can see the town beyond through the hands of the figure. Show me to the edge? Sure. Here's my arm. Oh, the railings are eel bone. It's old, but it's... remember? The second year in the cellar. Oh, I can see a light very faintly in the distance. Over there. You're pointing towards the beacon. It's bright enough for me to see. Let's go inside. The third floor is pretty boring. It's mostly dormitories. There's people on this floor I've never seen except at dinner. Researchers who barely leave their private rooms and workshops. Most of the ground floor is classrooms. Obviously, there's the great hall where we ate. Cellars are off limits since that second year, like I said. The North Wing, well, we call it the North Wing. It's more of an outbuilding joined by a corridor. It has the infirmary in it. They teach scrim chanting clothing and prosthetics there too. The walls are covered in anatomical diagrams and there's a skeleton on a hook, obviously. Obviously. By the end of term, someone has usually drawn a mustache on it. Or given it a little sailor's hat. Hmm. Someone... It's not always me. Anyway, Senior Adept Salvage has a sense of humour. I bet he thought it was funny. He teaches the binding with flesh. He's nice enough until he has to set a bone you broke doing something stupid. Then there's Senior Adept Felage, who teaches forms most beautiful. 
There's is the big studio on the second floor with all the different objects and plants in it. They're an artist with a temperament to match. My father is like that. Very artistic. My sister takes after him. Is your sister coming to the Scrum Chantry too? No, she's different from the rest of the family. We're twins, both known children. I've heard of that from the students from old chanting families. It's supposed to make you good at chanting if you're born when the sun is highest, right? Yes. It was a good omen for, for the family. I could hear the songs from the eel bone from when I was small, but Finn just... It was complicated. She can't scream chant. I miss her. It's usually her that takes me to places and tells me what things look like. Hmm. It's strange to be the only one different. I'm the first scrimchanter in my family. They were so proud. A heavy responsibility, that. <sighs> Come on, you. It's definitely bedtime. Here's my arm. I'd worn myself out, so I slept well that night. I had to be woken by one of the other novices the next morning. It's always surprising to be woken in a new place, surrounded by new sounds and new smells. Obviously, I had slept in dormitories at my old school, but they were not quite so busy. I dressed as quickly as I could, and asked one of the other novices my age if she would show me the classroom we needed to go to. I was not quite confident of the layout of the scrim chantry yet. She shifted uncomfortably when I took her arm and I decided to ask someone else next time. I don't like feeling like an imposition. The first class was called The Splendor of the Eel and it was taught by senior adept Angil Lacil, whom my fellow novice said with respect and amusement was maybe a bit too into eels. She gestured a lot to a diagram on the board that was just a big blurry black square to me, and I realized I would need to explain my situation to her after the class, but her evident joy in revealing the wonders of the eel to fresh minds was so clear that I didn't mind, and I listened enraptured. Through eels, all things are possible, as we say here. <laughs> So, let us begin with the outside. The hide of the great eel is thick and strong and has many uses, notably in the nets used to catch them. The fins and fin rays are flatter and sharper, and these are used for delicate implements, needles and other thin things. The beautiful great eel, unlike its smaller cousins, Although, of course, there are major anatomical differences between it and those smaller cousins which scholars suspect indicate an entirely different origin for the great eel. So, perhaps cousin is the wrong word. Oh, where was I? Oh, yes. Unlike their smaller cousins, they do not consume other fish caught with a second jaw, but rather filter the water for floating matter and tiny creatures through baleen plates. These plates are used in corsetry and other applications where a little flex is helpful. The many tiny bones of the skull have various uses, including artwork and jewelry. 
The bones of the spine and ribs from these are made larger things. Carriages, door frames, even the decorations on buildings such as the one we stand in now. Now, open your books at page... Uh, you, at the back. Why do you not have a book? Are you not paying attention? I am paying attention, Senior De Place Hill. But I'm afraid there isn't much point me having a book. I couldn't write in it. I'm blind, you see. Oh my goodness. But how will you learn anything if you can't? I, I wasn't told. I was listening. I could repeat the uses of the types of eelbone back to you no, if you'd like. No, no. That's, that's quite all right. Carry on. I fixed the pleasant smile on my face. But the tittering of the class had bothered me. I don't know what I'd expected. Maybe the trainee scrim chanters were more enlightened people, somehow? That they'd accept me as one of them, easily. I was glad to go to the next class. This time I was told it was in a room I knew my way to. Which was good, because I didn't want to have to ask someone to guide me, in case it was one of the gigglers. I found the room by running my hands down a roughly textured tapestry on the wall to get to the door. I quickly realized whose classroom it was. <laughs> Novice White Chanter, it's good to see you again. How is your first day so far? I'm learning a lot so far. <clears throat> Thank you, Principal Adept. May I show you to a seat? Yes, thank you. All right, if you'll just take my arm, that's good. Um, there are two seats um, to your left, if you would just... That's, that's right, if you... And now if you sit down. Novices, since this is your first class with me, I won't be expecting you to copy anything down or memorize anything. Instead, I shall tell you a story. Some of you will undoubtedly have heard it before. I shall close the blind. The light in the room dimmed. My teeth were set on edge. I often felt like this when someone else was scrim-chanting. It felt a little wrong, like someone forcing bones to vibrate in a way they're resisting. Other people seem to need to force eelbone into shapes instead of encouraging it to go where they want it to. Long ago, when the stars were different, the great eels, children of the bone weaver, lived among them and flew around on comets. The heavens were theirs to roam, free and without boundaries, and they sang to each other through the endless void. Now, one of their greatest singers, an eel with a clear voice, clear like moonlight, was sailing through the stars when she heard crying down here on the earth. She looked down and saw us. We had only just crawled out of the water and we had no speech or writing or songs to sing to each other. 
The singer called to the bone weaver, asking who were these helpless creatures wandering in the mud, so sad and without beautiful things to make or hear. The bone weaver said to them, those are humans, and they are newborn as a people. The singer pitied us and summoned her kin who turned their comets towards the earth. They came shooting through the sky to plunge into the sea. We heard their songs as they arced through the heavens and as we did, we realised we could sing to each other and learn from each other. We realised that we could call to each other's souls with our song. Once in the sea, however, the singer and her kin could no longer sing as they did before, only call out to each other through the water, and they were afraid. They tried to return to the sky, but they could not because the lights in the comets had gone out. They swam in the deep darkness and forgot who they had been among the stars. Their bones still sang deep within their bodies, and those songs are what we hear when we chant. My parents had told me that story when I was young. At night, when I was alone, I would hold some scrap of eel bone and listen. I would imagine the eels singing to each other across the stars. I would imagine riding on a comet across the heavens. I tell that tale to all my new students to remind you that what we do is not only important, but it is beautiful. Scrim chanting is art as well as science, and in my the class, principal adept the continued their lesson by explaining what Z would be teaching us in Zir class over the semester. After that, I went from class to class, learning and trying new things. By the evening before dinner, I was beginning to get overwhelmed. I needed some space and some silence for a while. I found my way to the side door I had come in with Adarin, and waited until I could no longer hear anyone moving in the corridor, before slipping out. Adarin had told me there was a walled garden behind the scrim chantry where students would go for religious contemplation and anything else that needed peace and quiet, so I decided to try and find it. I found my way down a graveled path between thick bushes at least my head height when I reached out to touch them. The path led to a stone wall with the mortar worn out of it by wind and rain and through a wooden gate with peeling paint to a place protected from the weather and scented with hundreds of different flowers. I spent nearly an hour investigating all the different smells. I buried my fingers in the wet spring earth and listened for the song of the worms and the dirt. Eelbone is very loud. The sounds of the earth calling to itself, those are quiet. I need to be alone to hear them. I called a worm to the surface to let it writhe and dance in the palm of my hand and then let it crawl back into the darkness again delighting in the moisture on its pink skin as it went down. I reached into the well inside me and held the struggling flower to grow straight and healthy. By the time I had felt and smelled my way around the little garden, 
I realized it must be nearly time for the evening meal and I had best get back. I found my way back to the door in the wall and through it to the gravel path with the bushes on either side. Hello? Who's there? I can hear you! Mary? Finally! You took your time. <laughs> Prin? Jenny's out upon the sea, a dragon that's all hay, a working hard and working long, bringing home her hay. Shed the wolf and lay the weft a hundred thousand times, and swiftly may thy needle flash and fastly hold thy lines. Billy rises with the sun, and at the cave I dawn, he is there to bring the eel boats in, he's there to greet the morn. Shed the wolf and lay the weft a hundred thousand times, and swiftly may thy needle flash and fastly hold thy lines. And he's up upon the frame, never hand in hand, love fixing every stitch in place and dancing across the sand. Shed the wolf and lay the weft a hundred thousand times, and swiftly may thy needle flash and fastly hold thy lines. was created by Lou Sutcliffe and Daisy McNamara. Mary Whitechanter was played by Tanya Milovic. Adarin Tanner was played by Leanne Egan. Principal Adept Gwilym Weaverthin was played by Faye Roberts. Prin Whitechanter was played by Caroline Horbuela. Angul Lacehill was played by Rissa Montañez. The Station Master was played by Vic Collins. With additional voices by Tal Manier, Diego Herrera, J.E. Haywood, and Nygma Lotutin. Our writer, composer, and sound designer was Lou Sutcliffe. Our producer and dialogue editor was Daisy McNamara. Script editing was by Kale Brown and Pacific S. Obadiah. Our theme for this episode, Weaving Nets, was written by Lou Sutcliffe. The Anguilliform Chorus was Ray Lundberg, Derek Phelan, Daisy McNamara, Elijah Harper, Diego Herrera, and Lou Sutcliffe. Our sensitivity consultant was Sarah Clark. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to support us and help us bring you even more of the regularest content imaginable. You can follow us on our socials at Yeller's Choice. Social media and our website can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Hey all, it's Lou. Today I'd like to tell you about October's Children. October's Children follows a diverse group of 20 to 30-somethings trying to survive the everyday horrors of a small town life, not to mention the actual horrors starting to pop up with alarming frequency. There's something seriously weird going on in Wolfbrook, New Hampshire. Locals are disappearing. Strange unmarked cars drive through the town. There's something huge roaming the woods and plants are growing teeth. 
Created by our very own Derek Valen, you can find October's Children on all good podcatchers and on social media at OctChildrenPod. That's O-C-T Children Pod. Stick around to hear their trailer. It's a very small town. Pretty sure I know everybody by sight. In Wolfbrook, New Hampshire. Welcome to Unhallowed Grounds. There's not much else out here worth being scared of. There is something outside of my house. It's gonna come through the windshield. What the hell happened here? Have you noticed anything strange? It just felt really weird. It has started again. It has started again. And what is with all this purple goo? Something the size of a Buick and dripping purple goo. I remember. I could put you in a very small concrete room just because. Could someone explain to me what's going on? I thought you were something else. Don't you mean someone else? No. There's no use in getting worked up over something that never happened, is there? October's Children. Available anywhere you get your podcasts.